It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello, and welcome to Generation Skywalker. Whether you're a regular listener or have clicked the link to see what all this Letraset stuff is about. I'm Craig Spivey, and I'm here to tell you all about a recent vintage Star Wars discovery, one that's so cool that I've had to create this special one-off episode with my buddy Mark Daniels. You might remember us from such podcasts as Generation Skywalker Show Six, Helix Reborn, or Those Old Fossils, Episode Eleven, where we talk about looking magazines and commercial Star Wars artists such as Arnaldo Pizzo, Brian Bolland, and Frank Langford. And if you like that stuff. You'll absolutely love this. A week or two ago, I got together with Mark. We hit record and chatted away about something that represents the most significant find in our vintage Star Wars collecting journeys thus far. There's a video version of this show which can be found on our YouTube channel and a blog at generationskywalker.com if you want to explore this in even more detail. But it's my pleasure to now present this audio version to you, running, commuting, and stick it on in the background crowd. Here's myself and Mark on a sofa, being all dynamic and animated. I hope you enjoy what we have to say. Hello, and welcome back to a very special episode of Generation Skywalker. I'm here with Mark Daniels, and I'm Mark. Hello.、Um, I'm a little hoarse, and I'm a little bit sweaty, <laughs> given what we're going to be talking about today. You know, I've been collecting a long time. I've been a Star Wars fan all my life, and the things we've got to show you today are just—they're just up there. They're very special, particularly to me and Mark. Hope you agree.、Um, I, I'm sure some of you will. But we're going to talk to you about、uh, a recent find that, that cropped up for an auction. Do you want to give a little taster of what we're going to talk about? Yeah, sure.、Um, so, saleroom.com, which.、Uh, If you're、uh, familiar with、uh, the website, basically covers many of the smaller auction houses or provincial auction houses and lists 
their upcoming auction lots. So I tap in Star Wars as I do every now and again. I don't check it regularly. It just happened to be one of these uh, times that I tapped in Star Wars and uh, scrolling through and I saw that came across this lot, letter set, original artwork. can't remember exactly what the words were, but um, original artwork really. Went into it, looked at it and it took me seconds really to log what I was actually looking at. I couldn't believe it. Read about it. There was only limited in, uh, number of pictures on there. So I, I thought, is this really what I think it is? So straight away, I sent Craig a link to the auction. And within nanoseconds, uh, my phone went and it was, uh, oh my God, it was, this, this is real. <laughs> it was words to that effect. I think yeah. they were both, the, the, the exchange on the message was, was, yeah, two very brief expletives and the link. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. We're obviously talking about Letraset today. There's a whole other show in talking about transfers, but we're concentrating on the stationery. Um, and it's something that we both, over the years, have had a special connection with. I know you have. Absolutely, yeah. Um, as a child, remember very distinctly being bought the RTD2 space writing set, which included a pack of envelopes. Um, I can't remember if it was RTD2's memory bank or C3PO's space notes. There was like a, an, an exercise book in the there, writing wasn't pad. There? And there was the uh, Stormtrooper manual as well. And, yeah. and I, I remember vividly having two or three bought of these over over sort of several months because at the time as a you know budding artist uh, anything to do with pens or paper or stationery at my I was transfixed so obviously combine Star Wars with that then you know I'm, I'm ticking all the boxes but I have very vivid memories of putting together very brief sentences in the, the exercise book and writing letters and posting them to my mom and my grandparents and things so for me, the letter set stationery in particular, as well as the, the transfers, has a, a very sort of special place in my uh, collecting journey, shall we say. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same. I, I remember Friday nights were um, the big shop and we'd go to the Asda in Scunthorpe. And it was, it was like one of the first big out-of-town shopping yeah. supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being with him, pushing the trolley, turning down an aisle and seeing this stuff on the shelves. And in my dull 1970s world, the vibrancy of it, yeah. the, you know, there wasn't, I mean, we're talking 78, so we would have had figures and card packs and posters and magazines and all the rest of it. But the way this stuff popped, yeah. and whether it's the colour, the yellow, the blue, the exquisite artwork, I remember like, oh, Dad, Dad, can I? And I, and I got the jotter. Yeah. And I got Princess Leia. And he let me put it in the yeah. in the basket. And it was it was accessible because of the price point. Yeah. More accessible than the figures. Yeah. Because they, they, these would have been pennies. And educational. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, it was yeah. it was kind of useful for school and and all the rest of it. You know, I do remember having the exercise books. Sure, I had a scrapbook. Um, none of it has survived. No. But when I got back into collecting, that stuff just. You know, there's a holy trinity for me. There's there's helix, there's letter set, and there's the clear row stuff. Yeah, pretty much the and, same. <laughs> and yeah. it's just that the quality of that work, yeah, the nostalgia that's imbued in it is just 
And, and, and also, I think for me, what stands out specifically with Letrosite and Helix is, uh, from an artistic point of view, is you could tell there was no uh, marketing manual that these companies were going off. It was very much yeah. just go off and do what you want to do. And yeah. if, if we approve it, then, uh, uh, you know, go for it. Yeah. So Letrosite, you know, using a yellow Star Wars logo on that blue background, like you say, the artwork really pops. And then Helix using the Star Wars logo with red and yellow on a black background. <laughs> it's just yeah. madness. Yeah. But it works. And it makes those products look completely unique and different from every other. Whenever you go to a collector's event or you see it online or, or whatever, it always, always stands out. And I think that I know for you as well, you, you know, you have that connection as, a, as an artist, as somebody that appreciates yeah. the design aesthetic about it. So, um, yeah, ticks all yeah. the boxes. Well, I think it inspired you. If we swap places one second, I think it's in here. Talk to me about ah, this. Yes, <laughs> I completely forgotten about this. I completely forgotten about it. So this is Mark's uh, "What If Land." There we go. And that sits at the front, and you've got like a um, a little strut, cardboard strut on the back, and that sits there, sits proud. For me, it was uh, it was a, an exercise in exactly what you've just said. Is what if there was so little. Point of sale material out there for Helix and um, Latrocet and Clyro. Is it Clyro or Clearo? I think it's because it's a portmanteau, isn't it, of Clive and Clive or something. I think it's Clearo. Clyro. I always. I flip between the two, whichever. Yeah, exactly. But I just thought, what would possibly have been around in that era of time? That would look and sit well with a Letrosat collection, and, and as, as an artist and as a designer, I uh, went to work and came up with that. And um, I th think they'd look. And who would have thought that we'll be talking about what we're going to talk about today? Well, <laughs> it's still out there. It's still out there, and there's still more to come. I yeah, think. yeah, awesome. It's the stuff that you dream will turn up one day, um, and there it was, for sale. For sale, uh, <laughs> with a, with an initial guide price of three to five hundred pounds, which we both knew was um, what they could term a come and buy me estimate. <laughs> and um, over the the next several minutes, we said, right, okay, how are we going to do this? Uh, this is going to go for a huge amount of money. Um, and we both agreed that we were going to go all in, whatever it cost to get hold of them. Um, was we were going to try our, our absolute damnedest to get them, and uh, we both had a, a rough estimate of how much that was going to be. And I was looking at my collection, thinking about what what bits I could sell <laughs> to make up for yeah. it. I didn't want to sort of uh, bite into any savings, but um, the short and tall of it was, I had things that I could sell that quite easily that would go towards paying for it and Craig was exactly the same we both sat down we agreed what we were going to do I registered my bid as a phone bidder because I couldn't quite make the auction it was down in London uh, with an auction house called Dawson's um, it was a fine art auction so there wasn't it wasn't a specialist auction it was 
it was mixed in with antique furniture, um, oil paintings, rugs. Rugs. Uh, there was a Chinese waistcoat that went for forty thousand. We thought this would be the star of the yeah. show, but it yeah. wasn't. It was a yeah. Chinese waistcoat. It was a Chinese, Chinese <laughs> waistcoat that went for over fourteen thousand pounds. Um, and I thought, oh my god, this is just going to go crazy now. And I was li- I was sweating my adrenaline. If you've ever bid on auction, and when it's something that you really really want. The adrenaline starts pumping and you start getting very dry mouth and you, you know you're getting really excited anyway i was watching it online and our number was was coming up and within two or th- two or three auction lots before the phone went it was the chap at the other end of the auction house and it began Lot 392 collection of five items original 1977 star wars artwork the story behind these, where they came from, again, not too far from us here. Uh, the original 1977 artwork and Easy Live is away at £500. I've got to go 550 on the book. 600 if you'd like. I've got, sorry, I've got 600 now on Easy Live. The book is out. I've got 650 now, fresh place on Dawson's Live and 700 on Easy Live. 750 if you'd like. 750, 800. Suddenly turned into an auction. 800 pounds on Easy Life. It went up quite rapidly at first, didn't it? I think there was either somebody on the online or somebody in the room kind of knew, yeah. knew what it was and yeah. it was bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. And we, it was going up then in 100 pound increments. Um, and we eventually got to, and I just kept telling the guy on the phone, I said, just, just keep going, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And um, it got to £2,900. And for whatever reason, and I thought this was going to go for a lot more, um, the other bid stopped. Two nine, thank you, 2900 on the telephone. We top it up at £2,900. I'll take 3000 from you. On Easy Live, it's against you. You're not going to see them again soon. At 2,900. Are we all done? I'm selling to our telephone bidder then at 2,900. I couldn't believe it hammered at 2,900 pounds. Bear in mind what we were going to get. I was literally jumping up and down. I was so excited that we, we got this lot for the price that we got it for. There was an inkling that well, a little hope that it had gone under the radar. It was Mainhead, wasn't it? It was a slightly provincial auction house. Clearly, it was outside their area of specialism. They had some lots in there um, of Marvel. Marvel comics, but they were astronomically yeah. high estimates. Yeah. So just way beyond what they were actually worth. And so you could tell they were dabbling with like the up-and-coming collectibles um, in, in their eyes, I think, because they seemed very traditional. But the other thing that really worked... For us, because it was the same day as the Vectis auction. Same day as the Vectis auction. <laughs> so all eyes, it felt like all eyes were on that. This was the only lot that came up in the search and their auction house. And also, they didn't actually photograph on the auction the original artwork. No. It was it was the overlays, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's we'll, we'll get into it, but it's, it's, it's old-school physical camera-ready artwork for, for printers. So with that, you get... A number of overlays with instructions and all the rest of it on and they'd photographed it without lifting these overlays so we were looking through this tracing paper on the, on these photographs going it's not a print you can't see because it could have been they could have taken 
a copy of it and pasted it on and used that as the artwork. But, you know, I think it was our instincts more than anything that said, this is legit, this is the real deal. Luckily, Craig and I both have uh, artwork and design backgrounds because that's the trade that we're in. Um, we both started way before computers were part and parcel <laughs> of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> we were still using pens and rulers and knives to put together artwork and brochures and things. So we had a very good understanding of what this actually was. And that experience has paid off. Yeah. Well, shall we not keep people in suspense anymore and have a look at some of the pieces? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we'll start with the, the smallest one of the lot. So um, it's... Uh, you see that there. It's like QVC. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> this is not for sale, by the way. Um, and then we lift over, and it, on on this on this uh, uh, paste up label, we've got the uh, Star Wars stationery date, which is the thirteenth uh, of the uh, of November, nineteen seventy seven. Chewbacca space notes SS, which means same size. So the artwork was done exactly the same size as the printed article which is actually quite unusual because normally you would scale it up and then scale it down when it came to do, to actual print yeah because that, that would mean you'd get a crisper image exactly uh, so what we've got here is um, uh, like a layer of uh, tracing paper um, with the artwork the logo cut so that it doesn't interfere with Chewbacca's head the details the codes uh, what the title of the, the, the product is, all stuck on with uh, pencil, old school pencil marks. I'm telling you what colour, white out, that says WO, which means white out, which means the, the, the type is going to be white out. And just little printer's notes all over it. And then underneath, on board, straight onto board, is the airbrushed background. And then we've got the, uh, the hand painted, uh, looks to be in watercolour or gouache, character of Chewbacca, the original artwork. Just amazing. Just amazing. For so many reasons. I mean, we, we've talked about our connection with this stuff as a, as a as a Star Wars fan and as kids interacting and using this stuff back in the day. But for me, I mean, I started my career. So these, these little, these little um, bits here are bromides from the PMT machine, which meant photomechanical transfer. Yeah. My first job was, was being in the dark room on this massive piece of kit that did one job. Yeah. I mean, design studios back in the, those days, they just had huge things around the room that did one job. I mean, that's, that's all gone. But for a little graduate or a little amount of work experience, you know, they, they trust you to go and size up the logo and, and bring it out and let the grown-ups stick it on the, stick it on the, <laughs> stick yeah. it on the overlay. So this is, you know, it's, it's, it's nostalgic for two reasons, I think. And I, and I know Mark, Mark feels the same. And I, I love this. I love this Chewbacca. So if, if you grab that, this is, this is the finished That's piece. The finished one. You know, I've, I've been collecting these a while. I've got a nice mint set, which, which we've just seen. But some of these, they, they crop up with little kids' notes in. So this has got some lovely That's outstanding. kind of character. That is brilliant. What <laughs> lovely handwriting as well. Very nice handwriting. So it's nice from a social history as well, this stuff. So I love having a nice mint set, don't get me wrong. This is this is game changer, but I still like yeah. picking up these little pieces that, that, that have got a bit of a story to them. Um, 
And I've got another Chewbacca Space Notes here, which came from uh, Todd Chamberlain in the, in the States. And this is one of Gary Kurtz's product samples that came out of his, uh, his estate. So we've got, you know, kid from Stoke or wherever and his notes about Star Wars. And we've got Gary Kurtz's little sample. Now we've got the original. And now we've got this. And the, the great thing about this, uh, the Latrosat stationery, Helix stationery, is uh, back in the day, it was way more accessible to children because of the price point and because um, it was paper goods. It, the manufacturers were able to get it to market so much quicker, uh, which is why you see so many jigsaws and board games and stationery sets and, 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 and all these kinds of things because there's, all the tooling is ready to go. It's very easy to manufacture. You can produce it in huge numbers um, and sell it for pennies, which, you know, action figures back then were started out at, what, were they 99p? And then went up to about £1.20, yeah. yeah. something like that. So th back then, that was an awful lot of money. That was like three or four weeks' pocket money for some people, probably even more than that, you know, a birthday or a Christmas treat. Whereas this stuff, you'd go into a newsagent's and pick it up for 15, 20 pence. And at the time, you know, let set were flying. They, they, yeah. you know, they started in the, I think it was the 50s or the 60s, they made their name with the dry transfer um, sets, which were used professionally by architects and designers. They saw the potential to take to kids, and that boomed. And, and the year before the station came out, 77, they were really quick off the mark, and they got those sets out, the, the, the three panorama sets, and it was a massive hit. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it probably wasn't that much Star Wars to buy no, in 77. No. A few factors, badges maybe. Um, so this came on the back of that success and you know it, was a, it must have been a short bet for them oh they, they must have made so much money out of that license and i bet it cost them absolutely nothing because star wars yeah you knew about star wars back then yeah so uh so yeah this was a, a boom time now here's a question why is there never any empire strikes back letter set um well the, they did jedi didn't they? There, there, there was like a letter set jedi so all the letter set Empire stuff was through promotions. So it was the Dairy Lee, which was on pack. Yeah. And then you could send off for the bumper set. Um, and there was some magazine, like Tip-Ons. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they never did a sell-through set. And by the time yeah. Jedi came, they'd bought Thomas Salter. Yeah. So were. that was released as Thomas Salter. They also, in Presto Magics, they did a deal with Gillette and papermate pens. Right. So they were really kind of quite entrepreneurial and they were just going for this stuff. I mean, it didn't it, it didn't sustain no. all of them, you know, no. the bubble burst um, on that analogue world. But I think it, th at this time, yeah, they were, they were flying. They've got a long history of, like, doing licenses with Disney, DC, Marvel, all the kind of stuff that's still around. They were very much um, at the zenith at this point. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The 70s going so, into the early 80s. Um, so, second lot, second piece, should I say. And bear in mind, this is all in one lot. Yeah. This wasn't separated out. So, here we have Princess Leia's Rebel Jota. Just makes me weak at the knees. And I know some people get excited about proof cards yeah. and, you know, but I, I, the, the airbrushed Anakin card. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot state how enough, how rare it is to find original artwork from products uh, from the 70s. It, it, it's just, it's not, it's unheard of. 
all of this stuff was thought to have been lost, probably skipped way back when. The fact is, this is sat in, uh, somebody saved it from the, the printers. I think he worked there or worked or was part of the company or his family owned the printers uh, that did the job. Um, it's been in a folder in a loft for over 40 years and hasn't seen the light of day since then. And I think they were doing a house clearance and they came across it and decided to put it in auction to see obviously where it went. And um, I think if the auction house had been a bit more switched on, they might have separated out the lots. But as it was, it's all gone in our favour. Um, and as you can see, I mean, what a stunning piece of artwork. It's just... It's just great. Whoever, whoever painted them, whoever painted them was an, an absolute master. I, I can't explain to you enough how good these are in person. The craftsmanship on them, the, the draftsmanship is just second to none. The colours are incredible. The likeness that this uh, artist has managed to capture is just amazing. It's beautiful stuff. And another thing that's also worth pointing out is blues are notoriously hard to get out of a four-colour process. Yeah. So they, they, they go get quite dull, they go quite purpley. So even on the photographs on the website, the, 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 to see that original stuff compared to, you know, what, what, what we got, which is, which is great, but, yeah, the vibrancy of it is just, yeah, it's something else. It really is. And then this, this one, which I believe, right, now this one's, this one's a bit special because on the back, and uh, we've gone over these with fine-tooth combs, and this is the only other detail that we can find. This is an interesting bit of detail we've got here. As approved by Mr. S, what was it? Bildecki? Bildecki. Bildecki, is it? Bildecki. You've got it in front of your past. I, I, can't, I can't read it. My eyes have, have gone. For and on behalf of 20th Century Fox, the 14th of the 12th, 1977. And um, artwork approval and artwork prepared by... I can't make out this signature, but I presume this is the original artist. Uh, and it says, with corrections, 14th of December. And they've both got, um, uh, both been signed off on the 14th of December. So this will have been the final approved version of this particular piece of artwork. And that's dried up and come off over time. But it's uh, the writing pad for intergalactic messages. And just to see all these notes around the edge of the... The artwork, it's just incredible. And then what I find amazing about this particular piece is how the artist has managed to translate the idea of a hologram where layer is by scratching the artwork through. So it's it's staggered. I mean, for the time, bear in mind this is the 1970s, you know, where the digitization of stuff was was still very much in its infancy. To translate that message across that that, that that design across is, is is incredible and i've got to say c3po is notoriously hard to draw as an as an artist to get the likeness of 3po um, is just so difficult this artist does it makes it look easy it's incredible and you know out of all of the the pieces we've got this is one that hasn't come from a 
publicity shot. It's not come from still. So I, I've kind of gone back and I've found, sourced all the results. And not, it's not hard. You can tell where they've come from. But yeah. um, And there'll be a blog to accompany this this uh, this episode so you can you can pour over in a bit more detail but that's a that's an imagined scene so it's it's not a trace off of a of an image right so it's come from the movie which the, the, the actual scene in the movie is a close crop is kind of looking over r2 and the lights when you can see the hologram lights on but there's no long shot of that image it's, well that just goes to prove how good this artist yeah. clearly was <laughs> So this is this is the writing pad, and it differs a little bit from some of the other pieces because it's got an image inside. So this was this was what you would have uh, written your thank you note, dear Auntie. Yeah. Dear Auntie, thank you for my writing pad for intergalactic messages, and you'd, yeah. you'd do that, and then you'd put it in the in the matching envelopes, and uh, and that would be how you would communicate with people back before text messages. Um, Question, I think these were sold individually as well I as think in they the... Were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost certain they were. Yeah, so these, these are what came in the LTD2 set with the envelopes. Um, and there's some interesting stuff that it throws up with timing. I've got the trade catalogue for 1978, and not all of these pieces are in it. So I think it was probably done in two waves. It looks like they failed to get it out for Christmas... So yeah. they're sending it to artwork yeah. on the, yeah. uh, you know, um, November, running up to, I think some of these are like 14th of um, December, aren't they? Yeah. So they were like, last job on the press before everybody packed up for the holidays. Absolutely. Um, but interestingly, there was a, a couple of products that were um, promoted on the back of the envelopes. There's a dictate notebook and, yeah, we've got we've got Princess Lee's notelets as well as the Jota. So... I've got um, examples of ads. Letterset went to sell this in Harrogate Toy Fair yeah. and the Birmingham Toy yeah. Fair. And talk a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but there's an ad pre-Toy Fair that features like a mock-up of a Darth Vader yeah. pad. It's, I mean, I've got an, it's a very low-resolution image I've got, but you can see that the, the, the plan's changed and they, they pulled a couple of products. But, you know, seeing this stuff, it just starts to fill in the jigsaw, doesn't it? If you see some of the dates... And and uh, I mean, stuff came out. To, to have the dates on this, this stuff is is just incredible. It, it, it kind of you're able to piece together when things eventually did actually get to market. And also, very unusual that Vader never really featured anywhere other than on the scrapbook um, and on the back of the R2D2 writing set. Um, you would have thought he would have had a, a you know Darth Vader's interactive memory book or whatever. I don't know. But going on to um, another one that we've got is um, R2D2's memory bank, uh, which had the times table on the back. Yeah, I mean they were very good at sort of the, the words they used, the language they used. Yeah, you know intergalactic space things and yeah. and memory banks. It's just sort of like elevating this dull exercise book yeah. into something a bit more exciting and. You know, just, I can't begin to describe how awesome these things are in person. Um, the, the the craftsmanship, the penmanship, everything about them is just, this was all done by hand. You know, this this hasn't been stuck on. This is actually all, all one thing, 
apart from this, this bit's been stuck on, obviously, because it's, it's, it's typeset. But the, the R2 from the background are all one thing. I mean, this, this artist is incredibly confident, uh, seriously accomplished, and it's just an absolute joy to be able to sit here and hold these things and see them in person and actually appreciate them for the works of art that they, they are. Uh, commercial art um, at its absolute finest, as far as I'm concerned. It's a lost skill. It really is. It's, it's up there. It with, really is. You know, it's up there with the looking really covers, and the poster art of the time. Um, yeah. Nowadays, it'd be like file zero zero two JPEG. Yeah. You know, clip it out, stick it on the blue background that you've also been supplied with. That's it. It's a dead art. There's, a, there's also an interesting little aside to this to this piece, is that because you know Star Wars was. It was a bit of a, like a land grab, a gold rush to get really bootleg was, yeah. stuff out. Um, and you see it with the carnival mirrors where they took out Marvel art. And the the force that, beam. The force beam. Um, and th these are great big images for people to, to, to reproduce. So we got this curious set of pin badges um, from the time that you know have to be bootlegs, um, but are clearly taken from this artwork. So... Uh, they're, they're, you know, curious little things. There's the R2 one, there's the 3 pure one, and there's the two of them comped together rather clumsily. But I just think things like that just add to this story. Um, that they're just nice things to complement the collection. Um, now, we, we don't have the full set of Latrissa artwork, what, which I would, would include the R2-D2 writing set, box art that was clearly done by hand yeah. uh, that is missing from the lot um, the stormtrooper notepad uh, the, the small one that came in that exact writing set uh, that is also missing so we don't have that and we don't have uh, c3po's is it writing set the exercise book the exercise book that was that in the rtv's writing set or did, was I that think I think it was it was this and the writing. Right. Okay. So those three yeah, I mean, pieces. To be fair, they could have just mixed it up. They, they could have done. They could yeah. have done. Um, but they are missing as well as the pen and ink uh, or the, the the black line art for the envelopes and the um, inside of the memory bank writing set. Writing set. <laughs> we know our stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's missing, but and now, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure you'll agree on this as well, Craig, is this is the the daddy of all the artwork. This is the absolute piece de resistance, as they say. So it's a bit tatty, you can see. It's been through the wars a bit, but it's done its job. It's protected the visual artwork underneath. I mean, it's what, A2, would you say that is? Yeah, nice bit of CS2 board. Yeah. Do you remember CS2 board? I do, I do remember CS2. That was the most expensive it was board in the studio. Nightmare to cut with a scalpel as well. <laughs> I took my hands off with it. Um, and now we have, you see that, the overlay for the Star Wars scrapbook. And when I say this piece of art is by far and away the most breathtaking of all the pieces, and don't get me wrong, they're all beautiful pieces. This is 
the actual pinnacle of what I would describe as the whole lot. And there we can see. Back in the day when photo montages, before Photoshop, when piecing together things like this was, it was really, really difficult to do. And whoever has painted this has just done it, made it look so easily. Um, it's beautiful, airbrushed backgrounds, perfectly masked off. It's painted, I mean, there's no patches where they've had to correct it or anything. It's all done in one go. And I can't tell you how good you have to be as an artist, a freehand artist, to be able to pull that off. And also to get the likeness of each one of those characters. It, I, I'd, I'd love to find out who they were. We can't find any legible name. That's the only thing that really let it, let, lets this down is that we there's no signature, there's no name that accompanies this artwork. We'd love to get to the bottom of it. If, if anybody out there knows um, and can give us some evidence to who this might be, then please let us know. Um, we'd, we'd absolutely love to be able to credit them with what I, I would describe as probably some of the best art from the era out of everything. Absolutely. Out of everything. And this is the this is stunning. I mean, some of the detail, we, we were looking at this earlier, and the way that they've put a little like, key line around to separate the, yeah. the, the, the characters. It's subtle, but the, the sense of 3D on the Stormtroopers, oh. and you can see the brushstrokes on this stuff as well yeah. when you get very close to it. And it's, it's just, yeah. And this one's got a little Death Star in the background. Just that's what I mean. Just yeah, it's just in the you know not done harshly with loads of detail. It's just subtly done. Out of all of them, it's got a very subtle back because a lot of them had like the, they say the time tables and things. Yeah, yeah. On the back, but scrapbooks were they were a real thing. They were how we kept our Star Wars ephemera together. You know, the lolly wrappers that. Um, the tops packets, yeah. all the stuff that you know, start, things that have stars on it were not disposable. Um, we wanted to keep them. Any any little tiny thing you saw, you collected yeah. in, a, in a scrapbook. Well, I, I've got a weakness for these. Um, so there's something I started picking up. You know, obviously I wanted my nice mint one. Um, but then they started to crop up with, with stuff in them. So it became, it has become a little sort of side passion of mine to have um, these, these scrapbooks. And I'm not going to go through them all uh, now, but you can, you can see what I mean with some of this stuff. You know, cutouts from Marvel, bits of packaging. Well, um, what was that on page one? On the first page? Tiny oh. envelopes. Your Billy Band. But yeah, that's a nice piece, isn't it? Yeah, that exists obviously somewhere. Yeah, but yes, yeah, scrapbooks and scrapbooking. I think these tell a great social history as to kids' lives. I mean, I've got one in here, and I did. I bought it from eBay a while ago. I did an unboxing of it from a, a young girl called Leslie who put it together, kind of for her mum's birthday. <laughs> she said her mum was like. Yes, dear, that's very nice. Oh. But but you know, it's it's now here in this collection of um <laughs> let's just say scrapbooks, which are running into double figures, I think. 
And that artwork also appears on Something the else. rarest. The, the rarest, rarest, most expensive. The most expensive <laughs> notepad you've ever seen. Which is this. These were given out at uh, the Harrogate trade show. They were. Uh, were they given out at the NEC as well, or was it just that one event? They say, oh, I think I'm afraid it's the Harrogate. Uh, yeah, yeah and NEC and, uh, and at the NEC. Um, they came in a, in a plastic bag, didn't they? There was a carrier bag, a white carrier bag, yeah. branded. Um, but that was the cover. So they reused the, um, the scrapbook artwork. And then on the back, you've got the range. But the range at the time pretty much tallies. Well, it doesn't quite tally with what we've got, but there's the, the Rebel Jotter C3PO's exercise book, Missing. scrapbook, R2D2, uh, Chewbacca, and the Stormtrooper. So my Missing. thinking is that the writing set came a bit later. So we've got a mishmash of kind of what went on here. It's not all this first range. But yeah, this is a nice piece. Cost me a lot of money from the box store. Yeah, it did. <laughs> You've got one, haven't you? I've got one. Yeah, I don't think you paid what I paid. I, I didn't pay anything for mine in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I've looked into some of the, the names and what it's told us about who's touched this. Yeah. So obviously we've got Letraset who are based in Kent. They were commissioning this work. We've got a designer whose name is David Clark Design Group, uh, based in Poole, I think, Dorset. Looked him up. Still seems to be trading, but... Design agencies don't live a long time. No, they don't. Um, and he's probably, you know, retired or at retirement age. Not that we don't retire when we can do what we do. Um, but I think possibly he's, you know, maybe an independent or sold it on. They've changed the name. Yeah. Um, but company still registered at company's house and still seems quite active. So that's incredible. Um, so that's David Clark. We've got. Um, stickers from the NGO, which is the National Graphical Association, which was the union. Yeah. So this is by the book, 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cross the T's, dot the R's. Yeah, yeah. So they're using the official, legit artwork labels, which I think is lovely Yeah. as well. So the auction lot mentions Hunt and Broadhurst. Right. Um, and said that this has been kept with somebody from the family. So the printers that we've got... Um, Listed on some of these, which is Scott Colour, who in Bermondsey. I've checked that out on Street View. That seems to be a nice little park now. And some fancy apartments. So, so I don't think they're around anymore. But I wonder whether the the chronology is this is that they were maybe part of the Hunt and Broadcast group, who I think were Oxford based, um, and were had the perhaps bought out and this arrived yeah. from there, or maybe they were part of a group to start with. And then obviously Mr. Bilecki, who was a publicist at 20th Century Fox, worked on Alien. I think he was uh, he was involved in photography. I mean, he was an on-set photographer or just dealt with publicity stills, but he was roped into in 20th Century Fox to, to do marketing and, and, and work on things like this. So so it's great to just have that confirmed, just to some of the people who touched this. I think it's really, um, it's, it's really special. In all, it's what I would describe as a once-in-a-lifetime find, and then not only to have found it, but then to be able to purchase it at the price that we did and to be able to put it in our collections. Um, we, we've decided to split the, the pieces up between us and to be able to own them and have a tangible piece of 
original artwork that connects us with our Star Wars collecting journey, um, without sounding too corny, <laughs> um, it is just it's just incredible. Easily the best find I've ever had. I mean, you can come across collections of toys and and things, and uh, you know, find things at toy fairs or car boot sales or charity shops and all the rest of it. But this this is different. This is you know, there's only one of these. Uh, pieces of artwork uh, that that is responsible for producing something that you remember vividly as a child. Very special. And I have to say this on record, because you could have not told me. You could have just kept it to yourself. I could have done. I could have done. I could have done. But straight away, straight away, without even thinking about it, I've got to tell Craig. I've got Craig will will be the only other person I know of (laughs) They will be as excited about this um, than I am. Um, well, I'm indebted to you, mate. Well, I well. totally am. <laughs> <laughs> now we need to divvy them up. Yeah, we need to divvy them up. <laughs> I'm having that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can, I can make a case for every single one and go, I, I like, I like I that can. because of this. Yeah. I like that because of that unique feature. I like that because of that personal connection. So... I think whatever we walk away with is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, and it's staying in the family. It's staying in the family. <laughs> so, so that's um, that's a good thing. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Did you jot down things in Leah's pad or deposit your childhood thoughts into R two D 2s memory bank? We'd love to hear your stories about this stuff. And how do you reckon we divvied the lot up in the end? That was quite the negotiation. But we both walked away happy. How could we not? Drop us a line at generationskywalker.gmail.com or hit us up on one of our growing social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and on Instagram three times over. Just search for Generation Skywalker and you'll find us. As I said, you can watch the video version of this on our YouTube channel. And while you're there, maybe check out some of our other enhanced shows, unboxings and footage from the various events we attend. And for those who like to linger longer with the topic... Check out the blog post that accompanies this episode, along with a whole range of others at generationskywalker.com. We endeavour to cover all eras, all passions and all Star Wars. And I thank you for joining me to hear about one of my passions. I'm Craig Spivey and we are Generation Skywalker.